Hello and welcome to the Wellbeing Wanderer podcast. I'm your host, Kat Burdett, wellbeing coach, eternal nomad, and self love enthusiast. Come join me on a journey as I deep dive into what it really takes to achieve that happy, content state of being. The goal of this show is to bring you those feel good vibes, expand your learning, and encourage your own personal growth so that you can discover what well being means for you. I'll be exploring every and any genre, including health, mindset, spirituality, and much more. So get ready for a juicy, mind-opening, raw, and real experience where no topic is off limits. I hope this helps you to feel good. Hello, hello, gorgeous ones. Welcome back to the Wellbeing Wanderer podcast. So lovely to have you back joining me and I hope you are well and happy and the sun is shining wherever you are in the world. Today on the show, I had the pleasure of sitting down with health and fitness coach Amanda Place. Amanda is on a mission to help high achieving women reach optimal health and lose weight for good without the need for any fad diets. Her online business called Sculptrician helps people all over the world from the comfort of their own homes. In this conversation, Amanda reveals what makes her so passionate about the work she does, the many barriers women come up against when it comes to losing weight, food psychology, the mindset required for optimal health, and what it really takes to achieve your body goals. Amanda has walked the walk in her own weight loss journey, and now she is talking the talk here today in this honest, real conversation. So without further ado, here is the beautiful Amanda. Hello and welcome to the show, Amanda. It's wonderful to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming on. Hello. Hello. How are you today? <laughs> I'm pretty good. Yeah, over here in England, sun is shining, so can't complain. Yeah, excited to be here. Amazing. Yeah, it's been beautiful today, which is so lucky. Well, I'd like to kick this off by asking you to introduce yourself to the listeners and sharing a little bit about what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm Amanda and I'm a health coach that specializes mainly in weight loss and body transformation, but I'm also a personal trainer and group fitness instructor. And I help busy women optimize their health without the overwhelm, severe restrictions or fad diets. And I've been in the industry for about 10 years now. Um, and if you can't tell by my accent, I'm actually not from England originally. I'm from Canada. So I moved here about four years ago, but been in the industry um yeah for about 10 years now started back in canada actually in group fitness and then kind of um got my i got a kinesiology degree and got a um, health and nutrition coaching diploma once i was here and then i actually went through my own weight loss journey and kind of believe it or not during the pandemic is when i lost my weight which i know for some people went the complete opposite um but i lost my weight then and i lost about three and a half stone and i've kept it off ever since so it's been about three years now And so basically I teach kind of others and motivate and help others to do the same and kind of cut through the noise of what current diet culture and even fitness culture is as well. Because I find the fitness aspect of it can be just as toxic and confusing. And so I cut that noise and help them achieve what they want to um, in a way that works for them and is sustainable. Mm, That's amazing. I feel like we all need an Amanda in our lives. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I can relate to that actually because... uh, I did exactly the same thing in COVID. I, it didn't lead to a kind of fitness career, I guess, but it did lead to coaching. Um, yeah. And I got myself in the best shape of my life during the pandemic, um, actually. And like you say, some people, it's interesting, went the other way. Um, yeah. But for me, I was like, right, no, let's get on it. Let's go. Yes, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a coincidence. But yeah, there we go. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Well, there's a question I like to ask everybody and so from your experience of life so far what does well-being mean to you oh i think well-being means what it means to me is again kind of back to that sustainability point and so you know taking taking care of yourself and and kind of and having goals for yourself as well i think rather than having goals for maybe what of your partner wants or what your kids want or what society thinks that you should have i think it's you know, yeah, taking care of yourself and having goals in yourself, but in a way that's sustainable. So always when I go back to even my own well-being, I've realized as well as, 
and there's kind of different ways you can do it. So I know some people swear by, you know, meditation. Some people can do it up to, you know, 30 minutes up to an hour a day, or even you know your exercise or in healthy eating. And, but sometimes it, you know, meditation doesn't always work for people. And even when it comes to workouts, sometimes people absolutely get enthralled in running and can do ultra marathons. And sometimes, you know, running is like their worst nightmare, but they love yoga or, or even swimming as well. Example, I don't really swim, but I have some clients or even some of my friends who absolutely love swimming and make sure whatever gym they go to, there has to be a pool there or some sort of way that they can get that fitness in. Um, so that's what I realized is whatever way that you're able to take, you know, look after yourself and have those health and well-being goals for yourself in a way that you can, is sustainable and that you can enjoy it. I think that's what it means. And it also means that it's different for everybody. And that's absolutely okay. Cause that means it's gonna, it's gonna stick. There's definitely no cookie cutter thing or one size fits all just like it is with diets and fitness. I think well-being is the exact same thing. And I think in a way, I guess for, you know, the advice is all the information that's out there, you know, you can test things and try things. I think that's really important. Don't completely have a closed kind of door to it. So maybe, you know, try that meditation, but if it doesn't work for you. Also don't feel like you're, you should be ashamed for not wanting to meditate. I think that's the biggest thing. I've had lots of clients come to me saying, I've tried to meditate and it's just not for me, but I feel like I'm just being an awful you know, person because I can't relieve stress. And I'm like, just because you can't meditate for five minutes, it's a, doing a workout for five minutes, the same thing could be the exact same thing. Or reading that book right before bed can give you the exact same amount of self-care and overall well-being that you want. So just know that it's completely you know, individual to you and to own that instead of feel bad for it. Mm, brilliant answer. Yeah. And I love the word that you use there, that key word enjoyment, mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people think, oh, but I got to do all these things, like you say, and that is not what makes your being well. It is all it is all individual, like you say, and it is all about what you find enjoyable. Aren't we here to enjoy ourselves? You know, it doesn't, <laughs> we don't have to always go through this uh, struggle and pain and discomfort. Uh, so yeah, wonderful answer. Thank you so much for that beautiful answer. Um, and you mentioned there about the origins of sculptrition. So I'm interested to know like how the creation of it began and how you actually got into the health and fitness coaching and also where your personal story comes into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we guess take it all the way back to yeah in Canada and I kind of grew up in um with my childhood I've always been you know dancing um and in kind of competitive competitive dance mainly and now I've uh, at my zodiac I'm a Leo so that I look at my workouts zodiac it actually makes sense group fitness classes you know dancing that's your type of thing so I was enthralled in it at a very young age and was competing basically from the age uh I was dancing from the age of three competing by the age of 12 really strict grueling schedules um and I really loved it but also it definitely introduced me to the diet culture and how you should look and you know it was definitely in the case even though it was only maybe 15 years ago it wasn't you know as bad maybe it was in the 80s and 90s of having that Kate Moss look etc but it was still the smaller girls you know got lifted they got they got the lead parts they were in the front of the line for the competitions and I was like well I want that so um th that's where it kind of started and I definitely and with my family background as well I come from an Italian kind of Italian French family love food it's pasta it's you know bigger portion sizes and they show their love of food and again i didn't realize that effect of it either till kind of growing going through this journey and so when i was younger i was kind of I was never you know super overweight or anything but i always had you know kind of a bit here and there and then started yeah the kind of weight loss journey did basically every diet you could think of so we don't have slimming world in canada but we got some we had something called weight watchers which are those pretty common in america we had jenny craig which now actually went bust um, actually like a couple of weeks ago, I think, because again, the toxic diet stuff, finally that's gone into fashion, which is great. Um, we had Jenny Craig, I did, you know, isogenics, I did like the shakes and the body shrink wraps and severe calorie restriction and all of that. So I did basically everything you could think of before the age of 18. Um, and so already kind of had a poor relationship with food then and exercise. And then I actually got a degree in kinesiology and it's not as common here, but in, um, if you have heard of it, basically it's just knowing the kind of mechanics, the physiology and the anatomy of the body. So think of it almost like sports medicine, athletic therapy, that kind of thing. So rather than becoming you know, a professional dancer, I got told as well, being kind of a second generation immigrant household, it was like, nope, you gotta go to school and get a degree. So I wanted, rather than doing you know, a doctor or a lawyer, I said, well, I wanna keep up my kind of that health 
journey that I was starting to go on as I was becoming an adult, realizing, okay, rather than hating my body and, you know, hating fitness, let's find a way to incorporate it and enjoy it, that I did a whole degree on it. Um, and coming out of that, I tried to get into um, physiotherapy school. However, it's very difficult in Canada. Um, so I guess my kind of first big failure in life, actually, I didn't get in. I got all the way to the very, very end. And I was like, there was out of the highway 40 slots and I got into like the top 60 and didn't get in. So, um, but rather than, you know, sulk into it, I kind of said, okay, let's kind of pick myself back up. Um, and I actually got into, that's I got into group fitness is I was doing group fitness classes and I, there was actually an open part for a new instructor. I auditioned and I actually got asked to go train. So that was great. And I started off with the Les Mills programs, if you know what that is. So it's based on New Zealand, but they're all over the world. So in the UK, Canada, US. So I started teaching that. And since I couldn't get a job with my kinesiology or that was well paying, I decided to do a brief stint into the corporate HR world. <laughs> so got some HR, um, did a diploma in that, and then you know went to HR. And that was all great and everything. But again, I kind of went back into that slump of now at least, yes, I'm teaching group fitness, but again, then I'm sitting down all day, not eating the healthiest, you know, in the office kind of corporate world, there's like donuts and there's, you know, stuff everywhere, someone's birthday all the time. And again, we're starting to get the unbalance. And then believe it or not, I actually met now my husband who is British. And then that's how I got over here into England. And again, that was kind of another opportunity to get me out of that rut. Cause when I came over, he said, look, like you can do anything you want. I know you went into HR because that was kind of the you know thing to do and get that you know nine to five that stability I think it's what it is really it was a stability and he said but you can do whatever you want like what is your actual true passion and we have the stability and you know I, I get told that hidden privilege that I have that but he said you have the you know privilege to do it so take advantage and I said I still really you know want to teach a group fitness and you know get in that health and fitness that's what I love doing. I've just realized like when it comes to group fitness, I could do it for free. I can teach with one person with a hundred people free of charge to this day. I still love doing it. So I kept that switched my or converted my certifications. And then I got a health and nutrition um, diploma just to kind of keep the evenness of the degrees. And then I got that. And that was, I started in 2019 and then Lily finished was finishing in 2020. And then obviously everything shut down. And so again, I had the, I had it kind of back into that stall of either I could go back into my old ways or now I actually had the time and the space to really reevaluate my own well-being and figure out again, what works for me and all of that. We didn't have the, you know, the, the noise of our daily life and things getting in the way that we need to prioritize more and don't have time for. We literally just had the time to do whatever we wanted if we were lucky enough and didn't get sick and i think yes it was definitely stressful you know being in the same house i wasn't even married to my or engaged to my partner at that point my husband at that point and so that was a real a real test on a relationship but now we're married so that obviously all works out well but yeah i think with the stress of it i was like rather than you know sulk and just be on the couch and just get into a mental decline which i very much could have i was still you know stressed and you know worried about the world and had my anxieties but i said use that of okay, now I'm actually at home. Let's, you know, reconstruct my meals a bit. Like now I have the, you know, in a way it kind of control my food. What does a healthy, you know, meal look like rather than just always going for the quick pretz and the quick, you know, meals out and, and the quick pasta they only knew how to make type thing. I really kind of relearned to love food. And then same with fitness. That was my release. You can ask any of my friends, or even husband, he would know if I, by the end of it, when I was stressed, it was like, okay, Amanda hasn't had her workout in. That's kind of what it, turned into and it wasn't into something that I had to yeah I was you know dragging on doing or something that I had to do or thought like a job it was actually that was part of my day it was kind of especially I like doing in the morning as well that's my tick of the box and then I can do everything else so that's really the cope the pandemic really I found as a opportunity yeah, to give me that space and that time that I needed to figure out what worked for me and what I liked and the lifestyle and kind of the well-being that I wanted to have for myself and so when I was done my coaching, my coaching diploma, then um, again, we're still kind of in the lockdown. There was no in-person stuff. It was all kind of online. And I just didn't, again, I'm very, as you can see, I'm a bit, I'm doing all these kind of different things. So rather than just thinking, okay, I'll just get my degree and be done with it. I thought, well, let's, yeah, let's start a business. Like since everything's online, I can get, I can get a Zoom and I can make some programs. And so I went through it myself. I at least have that experience now as well 
that I can kind of, you know, walk the walk and I'm talking the talk. I got the both because I felt when I was, you know, just a group fitness instructor, but I wasn't looking after myself. I definitely had that bit of how can people take me seriously if, you know, yes, I was teaching group fitness, but the rest of my life wasn't in balance where at least now I thought I was so excited. I was so invested. I was like, wow, like if I can do this, I can help anyone else. And I really want to help anyone else. And then that's where it kind of bloomed. So I literally just started, you know, I had some case studies. I did some pro bono stuff. I, you know, coached my mother-in-law and coached my sister-in-law, even coached my mom, did kind of, you know, all that stuff. And then it kind of grew from there. And so now in addition to my one-on-one coaching, I do um, personal training, both in person and online. And then I have a fitness membership where now I get to do my own classes as well. Cause I wanted to really get the teaching in there. So now I do my own classes, yeah, all online, which is really great. And I got clients from, and members from all over the world. So I actually have a lot of Canadian ones still that are on board. And then I got the UK, I got Australia and the States and France. And it's just really, really cool little community that I've built. So no long-winded answer, but I think that kind of explains how, just to kind of show you how to get from A to B, there's a lot that happens in between that A to B. And it's not all just, you know, again, cookie cutter. If you can start here and there, it's good to know the full range of things to really get a grasp of how you can achieve that yourself. Mm, it sounds like it really gave you the space to just connect with yourself and really find out more about you and what actually you really enjoy doing, which mm. maybe you didn't see before because perhaps you were doing all the things that you thought you should be doing. Um, so yeah, it gave you that space and, and that clarity, which is incredible. And, th- and that's kind of similar to me and what happened to me and how I found coaching. And like you, you know, I did it all myself. I didn't take the shortcuts and I found out what worked for me and what I was enjoying and really what my mission is in life, I guess. So yeah, totally, totally relate to that. And what was the turning point for you? Because you said that you you were struggling with, with weight loss um, and you'd lost quite a lot of weight. So what what was it that actually, you know, made you have the motivation to do something about it. Was there something significant that happened? Yeah. So I think when I, I remember it was right before the pandemic happened actually. And we had a trip coming up. We went to Vegas right before, believe it or not. And so my, and one thing, yeah, pandemic happened in March. We went to Vegas in February. So it's quite crazy how we were lucky to get that, you know, trip in. And I remember, so my husband always, when he goes to get to January, okay, let's get healthy, lose some weight, that winter fluff. And then, you know, said the same for me, kind of let's, you know, get on this healthy journey together. And I was like, okay, yeah, totally down, you know, kind of get fit again. So it was the exact same cycle I'm used to, right? Kind of get ready for something, do a completely unrealistic diet, but to get those quick wins. And then you have that event, and but you didn't actually be equipped with anything. You were just kind of treating it like a job or treating it again, like it's an A to B, but there's nothing after that. So then you just, you know, go back. And I remember though, the turning point was there's two things. The one was I didn't weigh myself for years because again, it was a real trigger for me. And I yeah didn't want to kind of use it anymore. And he, again, we were still kind of in the not beginning stage because I obviously moved over, but it was still basically fresh that he was like, no, like go on the scale. What's the big deal? But he obviously didn't know at that up until that point, my kind of passed with, you know, disordered eating and all of that. And that I was really scared of that scale. But which is also in a way it was a bit of you know ignorance is bliss as long as i don't see it i don't have to make the changes right and so i did finally get on there and it kind of blew my mind of wow okay so it, it was it wasn't you know detrimental but it was definitely just at least a shock to the system of okay this is not ideally what i wanted and but i'm glad that i did it and let's go let's get moving so we did kind of you know prep for this trip and whatever else and then we came back but it wasn't, you know, so much after then the pandemic happened. And then again, had that space and that time. And it kind of, it was a weird, almost like, I don't want to say epiphany moment, but it just kind of hit me of like, okay, you almost, it's taking this as like a chance to do something different. Now it doesn't have to be a job anymore of, you know, what's the next event? Cause now we had no events to work for, right? It was, we were staying at home, another, like nothing else. And I knew that if I didn't change, it really could have down spiraled. So I think, yeah, looking at the scale and just, I think holding myself accountable in a way, it doesn't have to be accountable for everyone, but for me, that was my sense of accountability. Instead of ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it, I kind of did an extra step of, okay, this is a bit of accountability. And then realizing, 
needing to also change in a way, I think it's my mindset as well to it. That's because now when I look at the scale, I don't have that same, you know, temperament or scare, scarcity or anything like that. So looking into it, that was the accountability point. And then after that, I realized in order to make a change, I need to, yeah, fix the way I think about food, about fitness, about myself. And, you know, with clients and maybe even yourself, if you relate, I think it's, you know, you can have the best workout plan and nutrition plan and all of that. But if you don't fix the thoughts that you have around food or your exercise or even your perceptions of things like a scale, you know, even like carbs or something like that, nothing will change. So I think first was the accountability for me that I made my like kind of thanks to my husband, I guess. So thank you, AP, um, that I was forced to come to terms with some things and actually be accountable. And rather than running away from it and maybe blame, blaming everything else and then just continuing my cycle, I said, okay, actually, I need to take some personal responsibility and make the choice to put in a bit of work and change how I think about things and how I perceive things and then go from there. And that's basically what happened. So I used then that scale going forward as a helpful tool, but not as an obsessive one or something to be scared of. And in addition to, obviously, I was in you know the schooling of at least I had the I got the knowledge of like the actual nutritional information and kind of all that stuff behind me. But all the mindset work was totally myself. And it took a lot of inner work to get to that point. And as I said, I think the pandemic in a way, yes, it was, it wasn't ideal for any of us, but I tried to use it to the best of my abilities to make something great happen. And then in the end it did. Yeah. I, I think, um, it's important for a lot of people to have a moment like that, a moment of impact where perhaps they will step on the scale like you did and go, Oh my God, like I had no idea that this is what I weighed and, you know, I don't feel healthy. And then there's a, there's a process that you did there. So the first was you got real. So you actually looked at where you were right now. You took the reality of the situation and then you took responsibility and you went, okay, well, the reason I'm here is because of me. So if I want to get out of it, I have to be the reason to get out of it. And so you were able to have that mindset shift and that knowing that I don't want to be there anymore. And it's sometimes the point of when it becomes scarier to stay where you are than to do something that you've never done before. Right. And yeah. that, that's the point when people are ready to change as well. And this is what I see a lot in my coaching clients as well. You know, you can't help someone until they're ready to be helped, until they they realize that they don't want to be in that place anymore. So, you know, and I I know I've I've done it myself and it 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 does take this inner strength to do that. Um and I don't think everybody, you know, reaches that place either. I, I think some people literally will just sweep it under the rug and carry on. So it really shows your strength of character that you were able to do that. Um and I was going to ask you as well regarding the mindset when it comes to fitness, health, things like that. Of course, the majority of it is is down to your mindset, because if you don't have the right mindset, you are not going to succeed. But mm. also another aspect of it that comes in is the love for yourself. So why is it you feel that a lot of people struggle with with their bodies, with their mindset and with the love for themselves? Yeah, I think it's a few things. So first, it's especially if I was just speaking on women, I've, and I've seen it, I've only worked with women. And I think you really kind of get the short end of the stick on it. And the society just places this pressure for us to be a certain way. And, and I think it's getting a lot better. But I even saw it down to, you know, even back to my childhood, my mom, like she was on also every single diet like before, like even she was the age of 18 when she had me, you know, she was on the first diet back to lose that weight. And I saw her growing up, it was, we had one meal and she had a different meal, you know, and you, you learn those things as, as kids, you learn that. And, and, you know, when you're a teenager, then we, uh, I know that we had cosmopolitan back then when we were like older teenagers. And then I kept, we had, you know, like the teeny bop, you know, magazines and seeing these like teen stars, but they're all like, you know, this thin and, and, and they just kind of say, you need to look like this. I think in the UK, the 90s was that Kate Moss look, like I mentioned, wasn't it? And it that's that was shown as the norm. And it's not. If you look at the stats, um, if you look even at normal like shopping, I've noticed this too now, is 
when you go on a shopping site, the amount of times, like every, almost every single time, if you notice, the extra smalls and the smalls will always be available. And the medium to larges, either one left or completely sold out. Because that's not, that's not all of the population. That's not, we don't all fit in one box. And I think that's where we get into trouble is the, you know, not just the media, but just the way things get portrayed. And so at an early age, I think it starts there. And so we get kind of conditioned of, if you don't look this way, you aren't normal. And going back to the evolutionary thing of when you didn't fit in with the tribe, that was actually a really detrimental thing. You could, if you were not part of the tribe, you could die. So obviously now in times, that's not the case. We're not trying to taste lions, tigers, and bears or like, you know, run away from them. So if we don't with this sick or like people don't like us, that will be left out and they'll be left for the, for the, for the wolves. It's, not that, but even that social isolation is just as powerful. We still get the same response and it's really detrimental to us. So starting from a young age, I think it can happen. And, you know, even in adulthood, I think it's no better now with all the Instagram and all of that stuff. And I think, and I praise you for what you do on your, you know, your social media, that you're honest and transparent of, yeah, it doesn't look the same for everyone. And we need to be open and honest about it rather than we can, you both, you know, I could easily say, yeah, I do, you know, this meditation, this amount of times a day, and I'm perfect. I'm doing all these workouts. And maybe sometimes we do. And a lot of the times it's not perfect. We're not looking our greatest all the time. We're not getting that best PR in our workout. We're not meditating for an hour a day. Like sometimes we're just probably eating some Ben and Jerry's while watching Succession. Like it's just, that's probably just what's happening. But that's not what the, that's what people want you to see or what we're used to seeing. We want to see the, the highest standard, like look at them and kind of frolic at them. So I think it starts from that. We just right off the hop, we're getting a bit discouraged from the amount of comparitis that's happening with the media and um, with social media. And then it kind of just spirals from there. And we, and then, so from those external pressures, we kind of lose focus of that actually doesn't matter about that. We need to love ourselves and focus on ourselves. Cause at the end of the day, those media outlets don't care about you or about, you know, how you look and stuff, but it matters to you and it matters to your loved ones around you and your kids and to your partners and to your friends and to the yeah the people that are closest around you and also to yourself. I think I've seen this with clients a lot as well. Just to quickly mention the amount of times they guess the mindset they want to, you know, like lose their weight and they, they don't they don't do any exercise, let's say, but then they want to do, you know, be doing five hit workouts a week because that's what Stylist Magazine told them to do last week type thing. And it's like, if you're not in the mindset to do that, or if you don't enjoy it again, that's not going to happen. And as well, I've seen also too, they want to look this way or be like this person or have, or even just with well-being, have a better routine, right? But the amount, the way they talk to themselves, it just breaks my heart because they say, you know, they want these things and then they go saying, oh, but I'm so fat. I'm so unattractive. I just, I'm so, they do, if they maybe don't get one workout, I'm so disappointed on myself. I'm such a loser. How can I not do this? I'm just worthless. And if you take a sit back for a minute and just reflect of if, let's say your friend was speaking to themselves in that way, right? So I'd always switch this. They're speaking to yourself in that way. How would you react to that? Right? You'd be like, what, what are you doing? Like, no, you're amazing. You're this and you're that. And the, and the way you speak to yourself has huge repercussions for how you act. So if you're telling yourself, even though you want to achieve a certain thing, if you're telling yourself you're fat, you're unattractive, you're not worthy, you can never do this, you have no support, what's going to come out of that? Likely, so when the challenges do pop up, right, because there are always these challenges, no matter what, let's say something doesn't go your way and you start speaking to yourself like that, what's going to happen? When you get approached with, you know, that, that uh, biscuit in the office, you're probably going to take it because you think that you're worthless and don't deserve it and can't do it. Where, if you actually don't even love yourself a little bit, but just change even the slight words of how you speak to yourself of let's just say I'm nourishing my body with food and I'm doing whatever I can to take care of myself in the best way that I can. Then maybe when that biscuit comes, you'll approach it a bit differently. Right. And when it comes to even, and just a simple thing of let's say a time example, it's the biggest thing of my clients when they say, I don't have time for this. I'm such, you know, a loser. I don't have time and this and that. And they say, okay, let's just, even just make it neutral, not even make it positive. Let's just flip it. And rather than saying, I don't have time for this right now, you're going to switch it to it's not a priority, right? And so it's not as negative, right? Like it's not of time, not worth it, whatever else. Like it's just not a priority that can just be as true and nice and neutral, but it's probably going to change the way you view it. 
Because if you really want to achieve whatever those goals are, you, you do want to make it a priority. And just right there, just a simple little switch of that really makes a difference. So I think when it comes to the mindset bit is, again, external forces and kind of the external things really affect it, but it's not going to change unless it comes from internally because the externally won't do it for you. you got to do it from within. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And and this is a big part again of the work I do because you know, it, I I realized that in my own journey, this and why I mainly promote self-love and mental health, because it really is this inside out approach. And mm. actually the ironic thing is, if you want to actually look good, then it comes from feeling good. It comes from within. And so it's about not just it, it's about when you change that internal state like you say and you create more love for yourself naturally you're going to change and what I found was really fascinating was I was doing a lot of exercise for years and my diet probably could have been better but I was doing a lot I was doing aerial silks for Christ's sake you know that's incredibly athletic and yeah. which should be super fit um and then I started doing weight training and running and things like that but despite doing all of this the weight didn't shift the weight didn't shift because I still hated myself. I had such low self-esteem. And I've said this before on the show, but um, and I'm happy to talk openly about it. But then when I actually started cultivating that love for myself, doing a lot of the mindset work, working out, why do I feel this way about myself? And where is that actually coming from? And then doing the rewiring work, um, the positive rewiring. Well, that's when the weight came off and like you it hasn't come back for me and it doesn't matter if I have the odd day where I you know I'm a flexitarian a lot of people think I'm vegan for some reason but I'm not um but I may you know some days I may go for a burger the other day I confess I did eat an entire tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream because I felt a bit shitty and sometimes I do that for pleasure because it's comfort I don't do it all the time though and that's the difference because mm. I've cultivated that love for myself so and like you say about balance with the food as well, you can have everything. Like you shouldn't limit or restrict yourself in any way. It's just about moderation. And when you have that love for yourself, you're not going to keep hurting yourself. You're not going to keep doing that. And you're able to to rein it in and bring yourself back to a state of equilibrium. So mm -hmm. yeah, I completely agree with what you say there. The self-love component is one of the most important when it comes to weight loss and health. And with your Ben and Jerry's, like, and it, that is okay. I think, especially as you know, as coaches, people think that, or even the viewers think that, oh, we kind of lead this like perfect hundred percent of this type lifestyle, and that's just not the case. And I so when they so then people come to us and they think, oh, I want to be that hundred percent, and I have to tell them I'm not hundred percent either. Like that, and even you're saying there, of, oh, it shouldn't be okay, but it is. And that's the first thing I with the mindset bit too is eliminating. There's no good or bad food. It like there's not. It's it's the perception, it's how you're perceiving it to make it good and bad. Like the food's not doing anything to you. It is just sitting there as a carrot or as a cake, right? It's not angry at you. It's not loving you. It's none of that. It's what you, the perception you put towards it. And maybe there's been a bit of help from, you know, ex the external force. Cause I think, you know, with keto, oh, carbs are bad. And, you know, veganism of, you know, don't eat meat and all that type of stuff. I anything can be good, but it's what you, the perceptions you put it to, right? Example, a, carniv a carnivorous, the one who eats only meat is going to absolutely love meat and look forward to it, where the vegan is going to say, no, I'm, has a different type of feeling towards it. So again, it's all up to you. It's, it's not the external thing yourself and it's not going to change unless you, unless you make that inner work. And when it comes to that, you know, that moderation, like you said, a really good ratio I like to give and I adopt myself and which has worked for me for three years now is 80, 20. So like you said, yes, on those days, you got that Ben and Jerry's, that's your 20. You're good. Like if it's one example, if you think on a whole week, if you're you know, eating healthy, so you say maybe, yeah, five, in the week it's five days a week. And then you got a couple meals out. So you can plan that, you know, that birthday with friends or going to the pub or, you know, doing, you know, or have, if you're having a crappy day, having that bit of Ben and Jerry's, right. Then that way you still feel like you're on track. Cause when you are making these changes, again, you need to make it enjoyable and give your quick wins when you can. So if you're already on that 80, 20, and you can say, okay, I have that Ben and Jerry's, but that's still yet yeah, 80, 20. So I'm on the right track. Rather than if you tell yourself you have to be hundred percent perfect all the time, that Ben and Jerry's means you had to slip. Oh, I messed up. I'm a failure. Let's go back to square one. And again, see how, if you even did that slight little shift of your perception of it is going to completely change the trajectory 
of your actions. And it's just, it can be, it's a little bit more difficult in the beginning, but that's when you need, you know, we got coaches like wonderful self and then like me in the kind of fitness realm that it can be done. It's just that little, little tweak. So they can be that simple. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's also a case, I, I think I said this, I had a, a another health and fitness guest on Vanessa G. Pozo, who is wonderful. But she was also, we were saying that it's also about not beating yourself up as well, like you say, and that tiny little mindset adjustment of going, okay, I fucked this up, you know, or it's not even about that, but, you know, mentally you think that. So you think, okay, all right, this wasn't what I wanted to do, let's say, um, but I'm not going to beat myself up. And you know what? I'm here to enjoy life. I'm here to enjoy food and food is a pleasure and it's okay. At the end of the day, it's okay. Like there are really no rules. So yeah, it it is so powerful to adjust your mindset, a hundred percent. And I like that you said, last thing on that is how, yeah, it's how don't beat yourself up. I always tell my clients that, okay, whatever happened, happened, but you can't control that. You can only control how you move forward. So just because maybe you had a, you know, enriched meal or you had that Ben and Jerry's doesn't mean the next meal can't be great, right? That's a great thing about food, right? You like, you can redeem it every time you got three meals, you know, some, some people three meals a day, maybe it's a bit less, but even if it's one bad meal, doesn't mean you got to wait till the following Monday to restart. You can, if you happened at breakfast, you just start again at lunch, right? It doesn't have to be everything is completely ruined right off the bat. And again, it's how you perceive that. If you get in that mindset of, okay, I can't control that now, but I'm going to control and move forward rather than I'm out of control. It's going to change the way, the way you move. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another important point to say on all this is about um, the fact that this this is a change in lifestyle so a diet is never a quick fix and i know that's something that you talk about as well and and this is the big thing for me it's like you have to see this as an ongoing process and the changes happen slowly over time so it's also about not putting that pressure on yourself and so you're creating sustainability and a lifestyle change so for somebody that's maybe new to this or wants to get going on it what are the key elements that would help create these sustainable changes? Mm. So I think, yeah, kind of like little hacks on the top of my head, actually a really good book that I recommend anyone to read um, is if you haven't already is atomic habits by James clear. And he really, yeah, you're not, it's, if you haven't already, you need to get it. And you know, it's been helpful for me, helpful to my client. And it just with the help of kind of how to make these changes, because to make, to fully the change your lifestyle, which both you and me have, but it, it didn't, again, it hasn't just happened, right? It took a while for me. And then even just to maintain that as well is just, it's another part of the journey. So if you actually want to make these changes, you can't think of it as, you know, it's again, that job or a quick fix. It's a lifetime thing. And so what James Clear does kind of with those lifestyle habits or any kind of habit he talks about, basically there's little hacks you can do to create a habit or let's say even a lifestyle that you want. So in order to do that, there's kind of four little things. So you have to make it easy, kind of like we talked about, uh, make it uh, attractive, make it obvious, and then make it rewarding. Hence, you know, that enjoy enjoyability. So let's say if you wanted to pick up running Monday, Wednesday to Friday, for example. So in order to make it easy, you're going to start with just a five minute walk, like a five, just five minutes out the door, right? So, and you might think of, oh, well, I wanna do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but we need to make it as simple as possible because if you give yourself that big, that big commitment and you're starting from absolutely zero, if you don't make it on that Wednesday, again, you're good, the perception comes in, you'll give up, start again. So let's just start super simple. On a Monday, you're gonna do five minutes, right? And then you tick in the box, oh, that's really easy. And then you'll continue to move from there. How do you make it obvious? Prime example would be if you are planning, you want to do them in the mornings or even, you know, after work, or let's say then you need to prep the night before. So have your workout clothes and your running shoes and all of that out on either your dresser, or if you've got a chair in your bedroom or hung up wherever, keep it somewhere you're going to see it before you go to bed. And when you wake up, cause it's there, we also need things right in front of us to remember it, right? If we just leave it to the last minute, let's say we hit that snooze button. And then it'll be really simple to say, oh, I have nothing prepped. I'm just going to go, you know, brush my teeth, get to work. Or actually you've taken that time of it's obvious. It's right there. It's giving you that reminder that you need. 
that's an example for that. How do you make it attractive? Maybe you get a friend involved. Um, you even have like a little accountability buddy. So if you got a partner, if you, if you got a coach and they know this goal that you have, I'd always do like weekly check-ins example. Mine's like, Hey, how you doing? Like how those goals doing? Are we doing okay? That can make it attractive. You got someone kind of accountable and somewhere to be a supportive part of the process with you. And then how do you make it rewarding? So example, you could, it could be as simple as if you put it on, you know, the schedule Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then you tick it, even just that tick of the box, sometimes it's satisfying for us, right? We just, you know, tick it every time. And then we tell us by the end of it, if we get, you know, if we get to that three times a week, um, if we maintain that for the month, we're going to get a new pair of running shoes or a new workout outfit, or if we get a, a massage or even a nice little candle bubble bath without the kids, something that is a bit of like, takes care of yourself, bit of self-love and gives you that reward for putting that work in. Now with that reward, it's really interesting as well, because a lot of the times you kind of, and people might say, oh, well, it does that have to be material? I don't, I don't want to spend money on it. And you don't have to. That's why I say it can even just be as simple as reading your favorite book and getting your partner to take care of the kids while like, while you get like 10 minutes to yourself, right? It, can, it doesn't have to be monetary, but we do at least need something that can be seen as almost like a reward because we are humans. We like, we like rewards. If you notice your, everything you do, even your workouts, right? You're not going to do it if you don't find it enjoyable and it's not worth your time or you don't see the value in it of your time. Eventually, example, like in my case, I went from, you know, literally just doing a five minute stretch workout on the Peloton thinking, okay, that's my workout for the day. Cause I had to do it. So now it's, I just get the mental health benefit from it and I feel so good. And it's a stress rel reliever. And my husband sees that I'm actually a more productive, nicer human, like be I'm just better in for society. If I get those workouts in, cause I've that, I don't need, I don't need the running shoes and all that now and still buy them for myself. Don't get me wrong. But at least now for me to show up, you know, five times a week to get them in, the reward is just doing it itself and it will come to that. But just to break it down in that sense, I think if you can start whatever whatever habit or lifestyle change you want to make, so even just a lifestyle change of, you know, you just want to eat a more balanced meal, you know, once in the day rather than all three going out to eat or having takeaways or something, keep it easy, keep it attractive keep it obvious and then make it rewarding. And if you do those four things, it can, it can really make a huge of a difference. Mm, those are all fantastic points there. And yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think, yeah, the making it obvious one for me was <laughs> really, really important. Like I used to, I mean, this may sound a little bit sad, but like when it came to my food, my breakfast in the morning, when I was on this health eating spiel and I did this 30 day plan that I was just, you know, trying to get into it. Um, yeah. Yeah, all the ingredients for my porridge and everything I needed in the morning. So I came down, I didn't even have to think about it and I would just do it. And it worked. It, it definitely worked. Um, and sometimes it can be like also just setting your alarm five minutes earlier than you would. And um, mm -hmm. just adjustments like that help. And something else that I've personally found to be really powerful is um, as well as those four habits you spoke about is when you um, it, it, when it comes to habit creation is actually associating like say for example like you use the example of running I'm going to go for a run uh straight after I brush my teeth so basically you attach it to a habit that's already so habitual that you yeah. don't even and then that can also help just sort of uh nudge your brain into action <laughs> yeah habit stacking yeah exactly yeah how and it, and it does work I've done with clients too where I had one client she wanted to you know start meditating right and, but it, it really, you know, was like, how am I getting all this time of the day? And I said, okay, let's keep it super easy. We're going to start literally with one minute. And she's like, well, that's too easy. And that's the point, one minute. And we also did the habit stacking where it was, you're going to rather than have, you know, get up and do the, everyone thinks also meditating, just be, you know, hands and hum and all that stuff. It doesn't have to be, you can do it lying down. You can do it at your desk, wherever else. So I said, let's habit stack it and do it first thing when you wake up in the morning. So you're not even out of bed yet. So your alarm goes off. You're going to make a timer and so you, you get up every day, right? So that's a habit that's already had you just kind of not even a habit. It's just part of life. Ha do it on there. And she started doing that by the end of our three months working together. She was doing half an hour, non-negotiable meditation. And it all started just from that one minute and yeah, have making that habit stack. We did some like re rewards as well. We had a little celebration at the end when she did it, but it went from as simple as one minute 
or I don't have time, where am I going to fit this in to now it's a half an hour thing, part of her day, just by yeah, putting it kind of into your life and a bit of prioritizing as well. Yeah. Yeah. This is really important for people to hear. Like, don't make it into a mountain, you know, or as Will Smith says, he talks about building this brick wall and he hated building that brick wall, but he built it brick by brick and eventually it turned into a wall and he was super proud of it at the end, even though he resented doing it. But the point is um, we all want to hit our dopamine sensors, right? That's our reward sensors, like you say. And the good thing is that if you make it, if you make something really small and then you absolutely smash it and you do that small task, whatever it is, or small habit, you feel really good about yourself because your dopamine sensors are going like, yeah, man, that's amazing. Look at what I've done. And so, and then it also creates a little bit of a healthy addiction, let's say it couldn't go the other way, but <laughs> yeah, if you do it step-by-step step like that, it it really makes such a difference. Yeah. Brick by brick is, is the way for sure. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So there are a lot of misconceptions around weight loss. Mm-hmm. What are the biggest misconceptions that you hear people talking about or that you see in the media? Oh, I think that we're still on this train of, we you know what really actually got me like, oh, rattled was it came to Christmas time. And uh, I can't remember what magazine it was now, but I actually put on my Instagram. I was, I don't really do like, you know, angry, you know, posts or stories, but I was just, I couldn't believe that we still got to this. And that's why the misconceptions that on this, you know, magazine, and it was an English one. And it said it was a for like lose 45, what did it say? Lose like, yeah, 40 pounds by Christmas. And we were like 45 days away from Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I just, I went livid. I was like, this is why people and women, whatever else want, think that this is possible. I was like, this is not possible. And if it is, you are severely restricting yourself, especially around the Christmas time. It's already, you know, quite difficult for, because it's very gluttonous in its nature, right? So it's, it's kind of, it's a lot for a lot of people. I find it's the kind of free throw. Like I've had loads of clients to like, oh, I'll start in January. It's all the January, right? Cause Christmas is like a write off. doesn't have to be one, but this just really, it's already a tough time for some, some of us. And when I saw that of like, you can lose for this amount of time in 45 days. I just thought this was horrendous. This is not true. And if you're doing this, it's really, really dangerous to your health. That's just not possible. And so that, that narrative is still continuing of you can lose weight really, really quickly. And when clients come to me, I say, again, yes, you, you could, right? If you want to lose that yeah, 10 pounds in a week, go for it. But it, can you sustain that, right? And it's highly not because you're either on shakes or you're just really, really restricting your food. And then you're just go as soon as you stop and you probably could attest this when you've done this. I know I did. As soon as you stop that weight piles back on and usually it's more than you lost or you gain even more to begin with. Right. And then you're even in a worse state. And then when it comes to your mindset, it's even on a worse thing. Cause it's just that roller coaster just keeps going and going and going. So I find that misconception, at least when I'm with clients that I kind of have to break in the beginning is cause I'll tell them, you know, look, it's because we want those quick wins. And I say, you'll get the quick wins and you will with the weight loss, but we don't want to go more that I never recommend more than two pounds a week or a kg a week. If you work on that. Um, and even then too, some, some of the clients, when I, I do all their math for them in the beginning and find out exactly like what they need for their bodies. And sometimes even if doing two pounds a week is not, is not sustainable or it's really restrictive. So I won't even recommend that. And sometimes I get mostly with the third eye saying, what? It can't be more. And I'm like, well, it could be, but this way you are guaranteed to keep it off. Right. And that's what I've really found that struggle with. And even, I guess, from the business side of things, maybe you can agree as we mentioned, everyone wants that quick fix, but to actually get the life change, that's going to change your life. It's not going to be a quick fix. And I've found it's very difficult to almost like what you have to sell and what you actually give is, is different. And, uh, but I think we, we really try to, you know, keep that authenticity there. And I, I'm going to keep just saying it and saying it. And if, you know, people don't want to sign up for that, cause they want that quick fix. That's fine. Because then I can't help you anyways. Cause you're not, you're not going to get the outcomes that you want, right? If that there's loads of programs, there's loads of, 
you know, probably coaches and who knows what that can help you with that or quick fix diet plans and meal plans. But I'm not that person. So that was the biggest misconception in the beginning that I really had a hard time with because it was I almost wanted to like shake maybe to society. I was like, this is not a thing like you cannot be promoting this because this is now again affecting the mindsets of women and their self-esteem and their confidence thinking what wow, because they think maybe of well i can't do that but someone definitely did and so they're a better person for doing that where i'm just the miserable one eating that christmas pudding at like midnight on christmas eve type thing right it's again that comparing comes into play so probably the biggest misconception is that you can lose, lose a load of weight and it just stays that way it's maybe you can but it, it's going to come right back on and it's better to do it yeah low kind of low and slow and actually keep it off and I, i've tried to keep that as an example for myself as i said three years now i don't count calories i don't track the calories on my on my workouts none of that and i just keep it you know keep it off and it's funny enough too i've had a couple of clients when they finish up with me saying because a lot of them they come for they obviously want to you know lose weight or look good or whatever else that's their number one thing that's like the number one and every time i always do a little reflection at the end and this is now i think i like my fifth or sixth client in a row now who's finished and it said actually like everything i've achieved they said oh the weight loss was nice but x y and z was better so yeah. now and or all oh, the weight loss was a bonus the amount i've gotten that so much now and which is amazing but obviously the misconception is it has to be the weight loss but it's not actually the weight loss is a bonus when you actually improve your energy levels when you find an exercise routine that's your sanctuary and like a ritual thing for you makes you feel good when you have nutritious balanced meals that don't leave you feeling absolutely exhausted at the end of the day when you're able to cope with stress of either kids or work or family families or friends or anything like that that's actually what matters and the weight loss is a bonus so if we can, I'd love, I'd love for society, if we can make that switch in time, hoping I can do it in my generation with my work, but, and if not, I'll just keep working until we get it closer to that point. Cause yeah, it breaks my heart just seeing that misconception over and over. I thought we'd be over it after the seventies now, but it's still coming on to 2020. So hopefully we can, hopefully we can work on that cat. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you like to see the health and fitness industry promoting more of definitely the mindset bit because i think as i mentioned we can and i think maybe why they're not addressing the mindset bit is because it doesn't sell as much so and it's and it's not as cookie cutter because you can give you know you can make a fitness routine and just put it out there and sell as low as you want you can do a meal plan like you signed up for and a nutrition plan and just give it out right where when you actually address the individual, everyone's different, right? And so you can't make a cookie cutter program for each individual person. That's how much time and resources and money. I mean, that's kind of great, I guess, because we're in we're in the business for that. That's why people hire us because we're really getting into on a personal level, knowing about their lives and what they're going through, what they like, what they don't like, what their traumas are how they think about themselves, how they portray themselves, how they want to portray themselves. And yeah, the way, I guess, kind of the, yeah, health and fitness industry in order to profit, they can't do it the way that we do it, which I guess is great because we'll, we'll stay in business for it. So, um, but I'm thinking for, I guess for the people it's, and for the women that I help, it's, it really, it breaks my heart as well because I've had loads of you know, clients come to me on that initial call. I've been told loads of time, I think now 20, 30 times of you're my last chance. I, it's the last chance. This is the, I'm, this is the last time I'm doing this. And if you can't help me, that's it. I'm just going to give up. Right. Cause they've, they've been wronged by the system, by what media is telling them, by what the magazines are telling them, even by Instagram, what they're telling them. And it's really unfortunate. And I think if, if we didn't just think within our pockets and actually want to help people and help others, then it not only, it just be so much more fulfilling. And then also the, I think the world would definitely be a better place. You would have women being able to have the confidence to take pictures with their kids and go into their wardrobe and pick out what any article of clothing they want. They'd be comfortable to maybe go to someone at the pub or you know, if, when they're trying to meet someone new of actually have that confidence to go meet someone and even, or actually go to a group fitness class. I've had lots of people as well that 
they won't go to group fitness class or even to the gym because they're worried what people think of them right and if these programs or more of it kind of worked on the mindset bit and really got to know on an individual rather level rather than just the general population i think would be in a lot better state so again i know it's a big mission to do and at least if that's what we're people hire us to do that for them so um yeah but i'd love to at least see that a bit more and i think it's getting a bit better now i guess with instagram where like more popping up and i think now with the online realm too it's now more accessible as well i think even before the pandemic health coaching and you know even online fitness coaching was pretty much not impossible but it was not nearly as well known now so i think now that we can do i can do everything on zoom i got my canadian clients all the way to vancouver and then i got france all the way to australia where before i couldn't you wouldn't be able to do that right so i think it's going in the right direction but that's still a little bit more missing for me yeah no brilliant i completely agree with you and and i think what we're really talking about there is um your mental health actually which is obviously a hot topic of conversation at the moment especially because of covid oh my god the stories i hear of the people that have taken such a downward spiral since the pandemic um emotionally internally um and you know it's it's interesting because we can only ever be in ourselves and you know i've i've gone the other way with it so I always it always surprises me actually to hear how how traumatized it's left some people and this is why you know like myself as well and like you it's so important to get that message out there and to keep it real and to be transparent and that's so important and to keep it human and yeah it's it is unfortunately this I'm just going to say it we live in a fear-based society we live in a fear-based society and the main thing is money. People are always out for the money and those big industries, those big corporations and, oh, shall I say this, possibly the government don't really care, don't really care about your health and well-being. Not really. They care about making money. And this is why it's so important to take that accountability and that responsibility and do your own research and keep on loving yourself and choosing what feels right for you like mm-hmm. that's the most important thing um i personally feel so yeah i just felt the need to express that point or <laughs> yeah, i preach it i think yeah the, the, the government as well i think we've seen at least if you're in the uk like the nhs and stuff right we've they got absolutely obliterated and the resources not going to them and people can't get the help that they need and kind of what's seen with the, for the future it's you know, people have to pay us like a premium. It's obviously private, right? This is not part of the NHS if you work with us and that should be available. Cause it, I think honestly, as a, if we actually invested more into, and actually the NHS hard, you know, people like us and get out there and help these individuals in society, we'd be in a much better position. And even the amount of money they're spending on chronic disease on mental health, my goodness, like all of it, we, it'd be, a much better return on investment if they just put it in the right places and i totally agree with you so yeah no need to apologize there and hopefully it goes in the right direction and yeah same with the corporations And in the meantime we just gotta keep fighting our good fight and keep our our missions going and making the impact where we can absolutely yeah i love that and and you may not know this about me but i'm actually a radiographer as well so i've worked with cancer patients for 13 years so i've been in the NHS I know what it's like and I you know I have that inside view as well and perceptions yeah it is incredibly interesting and I feel like we could go off on such a tangent with this (laughs) another podcast episode another episode (laughs) rants with Amanda and Kat (laughs) um cool well I have one final question for you um I think you're gonna like this so if you were given one of those massive billboards <laughs> and only had one message to share with the world, what would it be? Ooh. I think strive for progress, not perfection. I Love think it's one. Yeah. I always I tell that's I had that I heard that all the way in Canada and it stuck with me. Um for one of my actually HR bosses that uh, yeah, HR bosses and it really stuck with me. And during my you know, journey, I have stuck with that. And with my clients, I stick with it. And I've seen again, just that, you know, that little change in words of, cause yeah, perfection is completely impossible and just strive for progress and the world will be your oyster. And if you can just give yourself that space for, and that time for the progress, 
you'll get to where you want to be. And yeah, perfection's impossible. So for all you listeners out there, strive for progress, not perfection. Perfection is impossible. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just an illusion. It doesn't actually exist. There's no scale of perfection. And um, yeah, that's it. it it's, it's um, you know, with, it applies to everything, everything. Yeah. You can apply that to everything. And especially in business, and especially if you're an entrepreneur and listening to this, 100% yeah. <laughs> never, ever yeah. try to be a perfectionist in this industry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Business and then even your health, even in your mental health as well, right? Because you're going to have those days of like, you know, stuff's going on and like shit is not going well. And it's okay. But no, you don't need to be the perfect. You don't have to have that smile on your face. Like just strive for progress. If that's just getting out of bed that day, and like, you know, making it to let the dogs out or like getting the kids to school and you go back to bed, that's fine. At least you progress, right? And it's just, it's just one day at a time. And when it comes to your health, if it's yeah, that one earlier fitness, that one five minute workout and then you're back on the couch is fine. That's progress from what you did before. And it comes to business. If yeah, if you're new and listening out here, just so you know, we're definitely not perfect. And it's a lot of progress and it's, yeah, if you're, you know, striving to get just that one client, just get that one client or even just reach out to one person or, you know, send out an email or that's progress. It's still more than what you did the day before. And a little thing I like to do every year actually is, and it would be helpful. And you can do this, whether you're in your career or in your life or in your health, whatever else I do something called intention setting. So it's a little bit different from, you know, like those vision boards that we get into. So vision boards are great. I do that as well, but with intention setting every year. So before, you know, I'll do it like December 31st and I write, it's the 31st of December of the following year. So let's say example, so this one, 2023, and I list some things that I want to do for the year and put it in a past tense of like, I've already achieved it. So saying example, like I, you know, was a guest on a podcast or I ran a 10, ran a 10K or I, I remember my one last year was, I got married without becoming bridezilla, you know, stuff like that and put it like it's already been done and try to get as much done as you, you, you can. And then by the end of the year, even if it's not all done, I've never, again, not perfect, never finished it. It gives you a bit of a check-in and to realize of how much you, again, progress and actually accomplish. So for if you're in business, it's a great one as well. And yeah. And then even your fitness, right. If you're working up towards something, even if you got 80% of it, that's like, if you put like 20 things down that like those 18 things you've accomplished is amazing. Cause that wasn't the case the year before. And that gives you a solid kind of yeah concrete evidence of what you've done. Cause again, when you get into that mindset, if you're kind of down in the dumps, you kind of can just block out all the amazing stuff that's actually going on or what you've already achieved and having that in front of you really just kind of grounds you and reminds you of like, Hey, I'm a badass. I'm doing a great, amazing. You got this. So it's a little tip just to go along with that bull board, a little actionable step, try that intention setting. And I found that's been really helpful and hopefully it's yeah, helpful, helpful for you guys. I love that always. And then you've always have that North star there to follow and you always have it in the back of your mind as well. Exactly. Um, it kind of runs subconsciously. So it's intention setting is a really powerful thing. And I like the idea of sort of fake reverse engineering. I, I think that's quite a cool concept. So yeah, really great. Yeah. Uh, well, Amanda, I've loved talking to you. It's been an amazing interview. Um, I feel like you and I, I always seem to get guests on who we just have very similar stories. <laughs> uh, but yeah, totally on the same page. Um, and just thank you so, so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. It was amazing chat. You're yeah, amazing at this. And I think, yeah, we were thank you for being open on your journey and honest and transparent. And um, I hope everyone listening, yeah, takes value in it and again just keep progressing you got this and yeah it was a it was a blast hopefully we'll have to have episode two is our rant the cat and amanda rant <laughs> i think I, I don't know let's ask the i'll do a poll at the end does anybody yeah. want to hear <laughs> all right well best place for people to get in touch with you yeah so um i want a couple of things so my website is um sculptrician.com so s-c-u-l-p-t-r-i-t-i-o-n and if you want to catch me on social media, I'm on all the platforms. So I'm mainly on Instagram. So at Sculptrician, I'm there kind of every day um, on the kind of DM stories. You can catch me on there. But I'm also on Facebook and Pinterest at, and TikTok at Sculptrician or for you um, corporates. I'm on LinkedIn as Amanda Place. So you can come on um, there and yeah, say hello and reach out. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much once again. And yeah. Let's talk again soon. <laughs> Thank you so much.
There we are everyone, the wonderful Amanda Place. If you would like to get in contact with Amanda and find out exactly what she does and how she can help you, then all her details are in the show notes and you can check out her wonderful, wonderful website. And if you would like to get in contact with me, then all my details are in the show notes, as you know as well. So any questions you have for me, anything you want to ask, if you're curious about finding out what I do, then please go ahead and check out my website. And if you are enjoying the Wellbeing Wonderer podcast and you are listening to these episodes and they're resonating with you and you're finding them helpful, um, then I would love your love and support. So if you haven't done so already, then please hit that follow or subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends, with your family, with your colleague, with any anyone you think that might benefit from listening to the show. And to finalise today's episode, I'm going to leave you with a few powerful words. The struggle that you are in today is developing the strength you need for tomorrow. Thank you once again for joining me, everyone. I will see you next week.